So there's one thing that I just want to start off with as we continue to talk about these elephants in the room, these really big topics that are heavy and they weigh on us and they weigh on our culture and our society. And that is that there is no sin that you can commit in the past, that you've committed in the present, that you're living in now, or that will happen in the future, no guilt, no shame, that has more power than what Jesus did on the cross. We cannot out-sin God's grace. And I need you to understand that as we continue to wrestle with these topics. And tonight we're talking about abortion. And this is, it's huge and it's heavy, and I want you to know that that nothing that you've done, nothing that you're living in right now, and nothing that you, are, that you will do in the future as far as sin and guilt and shame is, has more power than what Jesus did on the cross for us. And I want you to understand that as we look at this, this topic. And so we're going to just dive into scripture, um, and we're going to be in Psalms 139. Uh, and if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen But if you do turn there, uh, verse 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. Uh, In other translations, it's, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And, And this is God who has done this for us. And so God deeply loves us. And I want you to know that. He loves us and he is so actively involved in our lives that before we even came into this world before we were even in our mother's womb, God was piecing us together. He knows the days that we will live on this earth and what we will do. And he, it's not a surprise to him that you are who you are right now. Does that make sense? That he knows, he put these, he gave you these qualities and these characteristics and he, he pieced them together to make you who you are today. And that started before you were in your mother's womb. Isn't that insane? Like God loves us so much that he's that involved with us in our creation from the beginning that he chose the characteristics that we would have and he gave them to us. So like he knew it was not a surprise to him that I was going to be a baby giraffe when I was born. Like, he knew that I was going to be 6'1 and a giant and super awkward. Like, he wasn't like, oh, there goes that silly Amanda tripping all over the place again. He knew that. Like, he saw that and was like, ah, oh, bless her heart today. And, and so, you know, like, we, there are always things that we think about and we're like, ah, oh, I wish I could change this. But God hand-selected you and made you he and I love this imagery he knit you together in your mother's womb and it's not like you know if you looked at an ultrasound you're going to see like heavenly hands like with knitting needles that's not what it is but he picked those characteristics and he's given them to us and Jeremiah 1 it's he 
the Lord is talking to Jeremiah and he says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. And that's the same for us. He knew us before we were formed. He has set us apart and he has a purpose for every single one of us. And that's even for the people who don't believe this. Okay, God has created every person on this planet. And in Genesis, it says we're made in his image. And that is everyone. Everyone has been made in the image of God. And, and life starts, life starts at conception. When the egg is fertilized, life starts, guys. Uh, cells start dividing. I was never really good at biology. Um, when I had, when I was pregnant with my own children, I kind of refused to like, go to any of the classes or watch anything because it terrified me uh, what was happening to me and inside of me. And so uh, as I was preparing for this, I was like learning all of this for the first time, which is really funny, I know, but I'm like telling my husband, I'm like, hey, did you know that, you know, at 15 days old, that at 15 days after conception, the brain of our daughter was sending signals 15 days, that's like a day over two weeks, guys. The nerves are sending signals and the brain is, is telling the cells to do these things. Isn't that insane? And I'm like telling my husband, he's like, we have two kids. He's like, sweetheart, you're, you're a little behind the times on this. And I'm like, I know, but isn't that exciting? Like this was happening. And most women, uh, especially in my case, uh, I didn't know that I was pregnant. I didn't go to the doctor until about 12 weeks which I think is really long that most women know before that. But at 15 days, I, you know, unless you were trying really hard, you probably don't know yet. And this is happening. And then at 22 days, guys, 22 days, that's like three weeks, there's a recognizable heartbeat. That's like, if you're talking in a time that you guys understand, that's like progress report, right? Because you get three weeks, six week progress reports. That's like progress report grades are coming in. And, and there is a recognizable heartbeat. And we have this video. Um, that is the heartbeat of a 22-day-old baby. Isn't that insane? That that is happening at 22 days that some women still don't even know they're pregnant at three weeks. And that is happening in their body. And then at eight weeks, guys, this is insane. So like, Report card happens in nine weeks, right? So a week before report cards come out, giving you a time there, uh, at eight weeks, the baby has its own DNA, its own nervous system, its own fingerprint, its own blood type. It has 90% of adult structures, and it has organs, and, and, and it's growing and the heart is pumping, and the brain is working, and guys, this is insane. The baby recoils from pain at eight weeks. So if like a doctor has to do a test, and they, they stick a needle, and they will, you know, touch the baby's foot, it'll pull back. Because it's like, wait a second, that hurts. We do that. When my son, who is learning not to hit, hits me, I'm like, ow, stop. And that's what I do, I pull back. And that's what's happening at eight weeks. And it looks like a tiny human. 
you tracking with me? Like, the, we have a, a little video, right? Okay, this is an ultrasound at eight weeks. It looks like a human. It looks like a little tiny person. Look at that face. Oh, smiling. Like, that is happening at eight weeks. Right? Isn't that crazy? And that's at six weeks. You can still tell, like, what's happening, that, that a baby is being formed and that it's looking like it's starting to take shape to be like this tiny human. And then at 21 weeks, guys, with a little bit of help, a baby can live outside the womb. It's not ideal, and most moms are like, please don't let the, but it, it can happen. And we have, right, because I like pictures, this is a 21-week ultrasound. And then we have two pictures of babies that were born at 21 weeks that are still alive outside of the womb. And they are little people. And I'm telling you all of this because in 2016, upwards of a million babies were aborted. And most of them, a high percentage of them, happened after 21 weeks. And it's, it blows my mind that it, since 1973, when abortion was made legal in the United States of America, over 55 million babies have been aborted in the United States alone. That's more people, that's more babies that have been aborted than died during the Holocaust in World War II. And, and it's crazy because this is happening. And a lot of us, we know this term and we kind of know what abortion is and we hear about it in the news and, and we might see it or hear it talked about on TV shows, but we really have no idea what it is. And we need to know because God knit us together. He has plans for us. He knows our days before we're even here. And he has a purpose for us. He, he deeply loves us and is involved in our creation of who we are. And if we don't know what's happening, we're gonna end up getting sucked into this idea that it's okay. That it's okay that a million babies' lives were ended last year by choice. And I don't know if you know what happens or the process. Uh, I'm gonna share a very G-rated version of it because it is much, much worse than what I'm about to say. They use a lot of different methods to abort babies. Have you ever been in the ocean, like salt water, right? Um, some of you are nodding, you're like, don't know where it's going, so you're a little concerned to nod right now, it's okay. Um, you know, like if you're out in the water and you're like playing, right, and then the wave like sneak attacks you, like you see it but you're not ready and then you get all of the salt water 
up your nose and in your throat and your eyes start to burn? Have you all experienced this or is it just me that like runs full on into waves and I'm like, yeah, and then I come up and I'm like, <coughs> it's burning, right? Um, so just to give you a little idea, uh, one of the methods that is used is they take saline and a syringe and they will put it, insert it into the mom's belly, into the placenta, and saline is like a saltwater solution, and they will inject it, and they will end that baby's life. And you know that burning that you feel in your throat and you think it's like the worst thing ever, right? Um, that is what that baby feels, because remember at eight weeks, they feel pain, and they pull away from it. Or they'll, if, the, if it's still early on in the pregnancy, they just take this vacuum-like thing and just suck life right out of the mom. Now, if the baby's a little bit older, like the 20, 21 week, we saw pictures of babies alive outside of the womb at 21 weeks. They will go in and they will crush the baby and pull it out piece by piece. And I see your face and I know. And then they'll look at the pieces and piece the baby back together to make sure they have it all. And I'm saying this not to scare you or to, but I, I need you to know what happens. Because when sin entered the world, back in the garden, when Adam and Eve, since that moment, the enemy, Satan, has been doing everything he can to distort and to wreak havoc on what God made good. And that's what happened in the garden. God made and created everything and it was good. And children, uh, babies are a reward. They're a blessing from God. It says in Psalms 127, verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. God loves us. He loves us so much that he has hand-selected everything about us. He has put it into this body, and he knows our days before they even happen. Our God is a good God who loves us deeply. But Satan has come in, and he's trying to lie to us. And some of us have bought into that because we don't know what God says about these things. And so we have to learn truth and we have to know what God says about us and how he loves us. And remember what I said at the beginning, that nothing, no sin that you've committed in the past, no sin that you're living in now, nothing you will do in the future, no guilt or no shame is more powerful than what Jesus did on the cross. I need you to know that because what Satan does is he tries to get us on this island. Okay, so we, we start to listen to the lies a little bit, and maybe abortion isn't something that you're dealing with right now, or you don't have friends that have walked this road yet, and you don't really know much about it. And then maybe some of you do know. Maybe you've, you've done that, you've had an abortion, or you have friends that have thought about it, or that have done it. I want you to know that there is nothing that we can do that can disqualify us from God's grace. 
and God's redemption. Praise the Lord for that. But maybe that's not something you're struggling with, but you have a different sin area in your life. When we have those areas, Satan comes in and he pulls us onto this island and he makes us feel like no one understands what I'm going through. No one else struggles the way I do in this area. I am all alone and I am in this place and I'm, you know, like stranded on an island by myself and I am in this. And he, and he pulls us to this island. We have no way out. We have no escape. We have no hope. But guys, we have hope. We have a God who loves us. He knit us together. He knows our days before we're even alive. That is our God. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That is our God. He loves us desperately. And I want you to know that you're not alone on the island because there are other people that struggle with the same things and that deal with the same things, but Satan is lying to us. And sometimes the lies speak louder than the truth and we buy into it, but we have to know uh, who God is and how he loves us. Um, and we have to know too that, girls, I'm gonna speak directly to you because boys, you can't get pregnant, but. <laughs> Uh, right? Um, that we, you know, right now in culture and things that uh, you hear a lot, like women marched for their rights, and even there was some distorted things in that, and you hear a lot, like, it's my body, I can do what I want. Guys, you might say this too, that's, it's your body, you can do what you want, right? We, this is something that's coming up, and we're seeing this, and we're and people are saying it, and it's like the excuse, like, oh, it's my body, I can do what I want. Uh, but dealing with, with pregnancy, that it, the baby lives in you. It's not part of your body. It just lives in your body. Because remember, at eight weeks, it has its own blood type, its own DNA, its own nervous system. And so it's, it's not your body. Because in 1 Corinthians it says, um, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. We are made in the image of God. He has created us and our body is his temple. We are not our own. And so when that comes up and people are like, I, I can do whatever I want, it's my body. It's, it's not. Because we, are, we do not belong to ourselves. God has created us for a purpose. Our bodies are his temple. And, and a lot of the times, I, I watched a lot of, uh, and I read a lot of articles, and I watched a lot of women come on and talk about why they were for abortion, and they had had it. And, and every argument, every argument was I, my life, it didn't fit my life. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I can't afford this. I am doing this for my unborn child. And, and it blew my mind because I, I was like, you're saying that you're doing this, you're ending a life because, you know, for the betterment of your unborn child, but really everything that you just said was it is inconvenient for me to have a baby right now. And, 
and I want you to know that we have to stop thinking about ourselves, not just in this area, but in all areas, because we're called to love other people, and we're called to serve others, and if we're only thinking about ourselves, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to do that in, in any way, in any capacity. And I want to share with you a story. I was watching a sermon, and this lady got up to share her story, and her name was Sarah. And she had uh, a sister uh, who was a little bit older than her, um, but she had a sister, and Sarah didn't make the best life choices. Uh, she had had two kids from different fathers. Um, she was, had a drug problem, and uh, her kids got taken away by the state. She was pregnant, she was evicted from her home, and she ended up going to live with her sister who lived in a house with some other women. And her sister and those other women loved Jesus. And they had been praying for Sarah, and Sarah didn't know that. And then Sarah went to church with them. And, and you know, because she kind of felt obligated, right? Because she's living in their house, they're taking care of her. She's like, I guess I'll go to church. And she starts to hear about this man, Jesus. But she's still, you know, buying into the lies. She still feels like she's on this island. And so she tells the ladies that she's living with, and she goes, I'm going to go have this baby aborted because I can't do it. I just can't. I can't even take care of the other two kids that I have. This isn't going to happen. And they, they plead with her, and they beg her to not do it, and she leaves. She's gone for a few hours, and when she leaves, the, the ladies, they pray. And they pray for Sarah, and they pray for the baby. And then a few hours later, Sarah comes back, and she says, well, I guess God wanted me to have this baby. I just can't do it. I couldn't do it. And the church that she'd been attending, members from that church ended up adopting her baby. Because our God is a God that cares about us deeply. He cares about us. He cares about babies. He cares about old people. He cares about his children and each one of us has been knit together, and our God is a God of redemption. Because remember, there is nothing that we can do that has more power than what Jesus did on the cross. Nothing. And so, you know, there's redemption in this story. Sarah made some really dumb choices, but God still redeemed those. And that baby got to live. And for each of us, like, we're going to make some really dumb choices in life. It's going to happen. But our God is a God who redeems our stories. Um, in Psalms 51, verse 12, uh, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Our God loves us. He loves everything about us, all the quirky things, uh, you know, what makes us us. Our God loves us. And our God loves his children. 
And so that's everybody outside of this room. It's the people you don't like at school. It's the teachers that you like whisper bad things about because you just can't stand them. Uh, It's everyone. God loves his children and he desires all of his children to know him. He desires all of his children to be redeemed because all of us have sin in our life. All of us have sin in our life. You hear me? And it might not be this. This might not be something that you're struggling with right now. Or it might not be something that's really in your sphere, uh, your friend group, and thing that people are dealing with right now at this moment. But there is something in your life that you're wrestling with. There is something in your life that you're clinging on to because you feel like you're on this island. And I want to tell you that you're not. Because the psalmist says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because when God sent Jesus on the cross for us, when Jesus stepped into time and took our shame and our guilt and our sin on the cross, we can have joy in that salvation. And then at the end, I love this, he says, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart because he won't. If we come before the Lord and we ask him, he will be there, guys. We are not on an island, but I will tell you that you cannot get off that island on your own. You cannot get off that island on your own. We need Jesus to get us off that island But the beautiful thing is that we can. We can get off the island by the grace of God and through his son.